Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. First today, you can hear the moment a teenager who'd killed a man in Rochester and dumped his body in a wheelie bin filled with acid told police he knew nothing about his disappearance. I literally uh, just saw him pick up something from him um, and I instantly only saw him for a second. Uh, he, he got out of his car and then I uh, came over to just uh, behind the kebab place and then uh, basically uh, I got it off him and went back to mine. That's George Knights speaking after Stephen Chapman was reported missing in October last year. We just need to grab a couple of details because obviously we're trying to figure out who was the last person to see him stuff. What's your last name? Um, to be honest, like, I don't really want to get Unfortunately, George, someone's gone missing. We can't locate them. You're one of the last persons to see him. You are kind of involved. When it comes to missing people, it's not kind of like, it's not like um, with normal investigations where we can say, yeah, it's fine if you don't want to provide. This is someone's life who could potentially be at stake here. Yeah, of course. Like I know. So we're not saying anything. We're not saying anything's going to happen. We just need to build a picture of where Stephen's gone, what's happened and build up why he might have gone missing. You know, if, if if he's just gone away to a hotel for a night, absolutely fine, but we need to figure out what happened prior to him going missing. Yeah, I mean, I literally left, like, uh, you know, I was there for a very short period of time, mm-hmm. and um, I left and I was at a party. We just Obviously, need to- we need to get a couple of details from you first, mate, because we need to put it up on the log. We're not saying anything's going to happen to you, and quite frankly, I don't really care about what package he was picking up or receiving at that point. I'm more concerned about Stephen's life at the minute. Oh, no. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, I wonder what's happened, but it's, it's, it's all just a bit weird. Yeah, oh, no, that, that's, that's why we're trying to figure out what's happened. Um, so what's your, what's your last name, mate? Um, it... If I really have to give it, because, you know, I, I, I know, like, I have, I've not been, like, involved in wherever he's gone. Do you know what I mean? No, and we're not, no one's saying that you've been involved, but everyone we've spoken to, we have to get their details because we've got to build a picture up of who the last people he was he's spoken to. We've got to understand what led up to him going missing. We're not accusing you of anything at all. As I said, I, I don't really care about that at the minute. I'm I just want you to know, like, obviously... Like, he could have easily gone and just seen someone else. Yeah, yeah, we know that. But obviously, as we said, George... I don't know, like... As as I'm trying to say, mate, we we need to... What we need to do is we need to build up a picture of what's happened. You're one of the last people to speak to. We might have some more questions later on. We're not saying you're in trouble. We just need your details. No, I understand that. I'm just, like, making sure... Yeah, yeah, no... Today, the 19-year-old from Delfs Road has been convicted of murdering the 38-year-old after a jury spent around six hours deliberating. He'd tried to claim he stabbed Chapman in self-defence following a row over drugs. In another call released by police, Knights is heard reporting a break-in at his flat. It was then that police found the victim's phone, bank card and his body in a wheelie bin. Kent Police was emergency. Um, there's basically a bunch of guys broken into my house. A bunch of guys doing what, three? Broke into my house. Oh, right, OK. How long ago did this happen? 
just a minute ago, which you like to Right, okay, bear with me, I'll wait for a moment. What's your postcode, please? ME1 PDG. And the full address? Okay, what's your name, please? George Knight. Right, bear with me then, George. I'm just going to get this sent over for attendance. Okay, I won't be a moment. The bodybuilder is due to be sentenced in September. Kent Online News. Next today, in a question. How much time do you spend online each day? A couple of minutes, a few hours maybe. Well, it might not surprise you to hear that those of us here in the UK are spending more time online than ever before. According to a new report, we were on the internet for around three and a half hours a day in 2020. Probably not a massive shock, seeing as we had several lockdowns and it was one of the only ways to stay in touch with all of our friends. But some in Kent have decided to use social media sites to make money over the past year. Our reporter, Megan Carr, has been investigating and joins me on the podcast today. Megan, what have you found? A lot of young girls have been using the site OnlyFans to sell explicit images or videos of themselves to make money via subscriptions. So this site OnlyFans, it's been around for a few years, um, but obviously with the lockdowns and things like that, it has gotten a bit more popular recently. Um, It basically allows content creators. It doesn't necessarily have to be anything explicit, but it is well known for its pornography. Um, And you can make any content that you feel comfortable for, and then your fans or the users that Um, want to buy the content from you then subscribe at your fixed prices so two of the girls I spoke to um, one of them her name's Mickey Rose she manages sometimes to make an amazing £10,000 a month through selling these images of her body online and although it may seem wow £10,000 a month why are we even bothering doing anything else at this point um, I did speak to the girls about some of the challenges and the issues that come with it as well so um, one of the girls I spoke to wanted to be anonymous because of the issues that she faces because of stigma um, because at the end of the day OnlyFans work is considered a sex work and a lot of people um, have seem to have an issue with um, girls and boys using their bodies to make money um, and uh, the girls that I spoke to did want to put it out there that although it might seem as easy as maybe taking a quick picture in your underwear and uploading it for a couple of pounds and building an audience and stuff, you do have to take the time to consider if you want this out there forever um, and if you're prepared for friends, family, colleagues, future workmates to know what you were doing on the internet. Well, let's hear from one of those women then. We've disguised her voice to protect her identity. I started OnlyFans when I was on furlough because of the pandemic and then I did it alongside my job at the COVID centres. So my parents and my sibling and my brother and obviously quite a few of my friends knew. We used to make jokes about it. So I used to order my uh, lingerie from a certain site and whenever I'd get a package from that site, they'd be like, oh, is it OnlyFans time? And, you know, it. there's no stigma in my house around sex working or anything like that because there shouldn't be. What do we get out of life by putting men and women down for being comfortable within their own skin? I have had 
backlash from posting it. Obviously, people asking if my partner's okay with it. Um, and people basically saying that I'm a disgrace and basically slut-shaming me as though what I'm doing is some sort of illegal activity. They only focus on the negatives, unfortunately, which is what normally surrounds sex working. If you are considering making an OnlyFans, uh, make sure you do your research because it sometimes you can bite off more than you can chew and that's never fun because then people have expectations but I also highly recommend if you are comfortable within your body to do it because at the end of the day you do only live once and I don't see why I shouldn't be allowed to take some photos of my body and make a couple of pounds from it. As you mentioned earlier, Megan, I mean, huge amounts of money that potentially could be made, but there is a word of warning when it comes to these sort of sites, isn't there? Yes, definitely. So like the social media expert Zoe Khan said, um, once the big thing with the internet is once you've put something out there, it doesn't matter how you disguise your name, how you disguise your face, these pictures are out there forever on the internet. And that's something that's really important to remember. I think Zoe said something along the lines of anything you put on the internet, take a step back and think, would you be happy to see that on a billboard? Because it doesn't matter what type of picture you post, it could be a selfie that you upload as a profile picture on Facebook, once you have uploaded that picture, you need to understand that it will be online on the internet forever. Even if you think you've gotten rid of it, there will be somewhere, some place on the deep dark web that it will still exist. And that's what Mickey Rose went on to say is, you know, before you do this, if you are interested in making an OnlyFans, even without the stigma and the the social views on sex working are you prepared for these intimate pictures of you to be there for the rest of your life for the rest of history if internet stays the way that it does megan thanks ever so much also today a leading social media expert from kent who megan mentioned says that social media companies need to do much more to enforce their age restrictions it's as that report says 95% of children have created a social media account by the time they're 15. Now, while you have to be only 13 to have the likes of Facebook and Instagram, some apps like WhatsApp are 16. Medway-based Zoe Kens says it can be a concern. I think youngsters now understand that they, they just need to put in a false birthday in there in order to get access to an account. And because of the, you know, there's not strong rules or regulations around them setting up those profiles so they don't need id they don't need to verify themselves so they're getting away with being able to create those accounts as well do you think most parents don't realize that these accounts are age limited i mean we get quite a few emails sent home from school but i mean does anyone actually take them seriously I don't think parents do know the age restrictions on these accounts. I think that they, they know that there is an age restriction, but they're unaware of what they actually are. And sometimes they're guided by the children that they might say, well, I need to be 13 or I, you know, it's okay to have that account. Um, or they might be setting up the accounts on the child's behalf. So at least they know that 
they've got an account but they've got control over that account through their parent um, um, ID for example so um, no I don't think they are aware of the age restrictions on there. So what sort of problems, let's look maybe at the negative side of it first, what sort of problems can occur then particularly if a youngster's got an account and perhaps their parents don't realise that they're on that particular platform? thing is if, if the child and the youngster goes and, and sets up the account and they say that they're a certain age they're going to be open to the types of language content that they shouldn't be exposed to um, and that's an, that's an alarming thing and sometimes the parents might not understand that they need to go on there and put those restrictions in either but if they're setting up the account on their own they're open to you know content that they shouldn't be seeing at their age um, and if the parent sets up the account the account they might not actually know how to restrict the account i know my sister she says to me can you help me restrict the account because they're then they don't know how to do that it, it's not um second nature to them yeah, definitely. Um, over the past year, obviously, young people haven't been able to spend as much time together as they would have done socially. And I should think for a lot, actually, social media has been quite helpful. Would you say there is a positive side to it as well? Yeah, there's uh, definitely a positive side for those younger people that have missed out on school and their friendships and building friendships and that face to face networking as i call it you know people skills that social media's enabled them to do whether it's via facetime whether it's via their xbox or playstation you know online with with their friends and it's given them that communication that they wouldn't have had um, through lockdown so there is some perks to it as well you mentioned right at the very start there aren't really strict rules and regulations around uh, the age restrictions particularly on yeah. social media and as you say you can just pick any year as long as you do your maths yeah. properly yeah. you can make yourself old enough does that need to be clamped down on do you think yeah I think along with a lot of other things that the platforms need to do in terms of filtering certain keywords and content that's going on another thing is about verifying people's ages and who are setting up accounts I think that's going to be something that the big social media giants need to maybe jump onto it's going to be a big task but again it's going to help in many aspects whether it's cyberbullying, fake accounts um, people setting up profiles as well. I think it's going to be definitely the way forward in the future. Well, you can read Megan's report and have your say on social media by commenting on the story today at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Two schools in Tunbridge Wells have been forced to close after hackers breached their servers and took vital info about pupils and staff. Bosses at Skinner's Kent Academy and Skinner's Kent Primary School have urged parents to tell their banks that personal details have been compromised. They now need to collect contact and medical details that were lost in the cyber attack. Animals are no longer going to be sold at a boot fair market on Sheppey following allegations of cruelty. People who went along to the event in Laysdown at the weekend claim they saw chickens, ducks and rabbits with no shade or water on one of the hottest days of the year. The organiser insists the animals were well looked after, but says she won't be coming back after the criticism. You can let us know what you think today about selling animals like that by voting in our poll. You can find it in the story at Kent Online. Bit of an update on something we brought you yesterday on the closure of Dungeness B power station. Well, now the government says it'll have no bearing on Britain's energy supplies. EDF says it won't restart the nuclear plant on Romney Marsh, but begin defuelling instead. Hundreds of jobs are secure 
longer for now because the process will take years. A driver has been caught going at 99 miles per hour on the M2 with a child in the back seat of the vehicle. Police were driving behind the SUV, which broke the speed limit for more than a mile near Cobham. The driver could now end up in court. Kent Online reports. There's anger today after it was confirmed a rural school in Medway will be closing. Back in 2019, parents staged a protest against plans to merge Stoke Primary with nearby All Hallows. At the time, the government rejected the move, but now it's been confirmed Stoke is to shut. Chris Spaulding from the Save Stoke School campaign has been speaking to Ollie from our colleagues at KMTV. When you look at the overview of the planned houses for the peninsula, the actual area and the travel arrangements for the children, this just does not add up. What's your opinion on, on sort of merging the, the two schools and obviously the, the problems that are going to be caused potentially from going along this, this road up towards all hearts. Well we know for a fact that the road is dangerous, that was proved last time with the consultation and indeed the merger was rejected last time chiefly on the issues of safety but also of course you've got to look at some of the legal issues. The consultation in our view was in fact flawed, it was not an either or, it's an either maybe. In other words, well, this could happen or this might happen. Parents weren't actually given a proper choice. Stakeholders were not actually given the correct information so that the entire process, we suggest, might well be legally fraud. Um, we are waiting to hear back from the local MP to find out exactly what representations she's made. And, of course, it may well be that we can make some representations. And if there was information that the government minister was unaware of, then there may be a review. But we're not holding up that much hope. Well, MP Kelly Tolhurst has also described the decision as disappointing and says she wants assurances that the building will not run into disrepair. A leisure centre in Medway is going to be demolished to make way for a brand new one. A £5 million revamp of splashes in Raynham will see it knocked down and replaced with a new modern swimming pool and gym. A Maidstone man is worried someone could be poisoning the plants on his allotment after half of them suddenly died. Carlo Atabatu has sent off samples of the soil to a lab because he's so worried and it's found possible evidence of solvent compounds which could have been dumped at the site. It's been reported to police as criminal damage but they say they don't have enough information to pursue an investigation. Now it's thought Kent could be on the brink of a mini heatwave this weekend. The Met Office reckon temperatures will stay in the mid to high 20s. The sunshine is also expected to continue for the rest of the month. And tickets have finally gone on sale for Pub in the Park in Tunbridge Wells this summer. The food and drink event at Dunorlan Park will feature live chef demonstrations along with music from the likes of Craig David and James Blunt. It's on from the 9th to the 11th of July. Kent Online Sport. Well, the weather certainly is great for cricket and Kent get their T20 blast campaign underway tonight. They'll be looking for a decent start in the shortest version of the game after failing to win a match so far in the county championship. Hampshire Hawks are the visitors to Canterbury to take on the Spitfires. Kent bowler Matt Milnes has been chatting to Lucy. A lot of the lads sort of look forward to this period in the season because it's a chance for a bit of a fresh start and have a bit of fun. Um, Obviously, the crowd's back in as well now this season, which would be brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not really gone to plan in the first sort of part of the season in Red Bull cricket. Um, but this is a chance to sort of start afresh and really stamp our authority on this competition. Yeah, because the, the county championship campaign has been 
slightly disappointing so far. Um, is there a, sort of what's the, what's the mood like in the team going into this this new tournament? They're very excited. Um, we've got a lot of guys who are looking very good in the net um, and in the practices we're doing. Um, so yeah, very very excited. As I said, the fans fans being back this season makes T Twenty cricket even more of a um, a spectacle and exciting for players. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a chance to start afresh and what's been, what's, what's been is gone and you can't change that now. It's about how, how we're going to win this competition and put ourselves in the best chance, um, possible to start well, um, and go, yeah, go as far as we can really. Hopefully that means winning the competition. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned obviously playing in front of a crowd again. How much does that mean to all of you guys? And, you know, obviously after all the journey we've been through to have some people there cheering you on. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've not actually done it yet this year because I've been injured, um, but I've been around um, in the Red Bull stuff and like even having four or five hundred people in that was it just made such a difference. Like where that first morning when Ollie and Jordan walked out to bat, there was like a roar and it just felt like, and even that, it just felt amazing really. Um, and even that um, ripple where you, when you hit a boundary or whatever, get a wicket, um, it just makes it, it just adds a bit of atmosphere and it just, I don't know, it just takes the game up a notch and it really helps everyone. I mean, I can't think of a single player that, that wouldn't say that. Play gets underway at seven this evening. We'll have details of the result on our sister radio station, KMFM, in bulletins from six tomorrow morning. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app and that will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. 